Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Hello, I'm Issa. Nice to meet you. Hello, I'm Issa. Pass the soy sauce. Hey, Issa. Um, what are you doing? I'm trying to figure out what I would sound like when I'm older. Maybe like this? I'm Issa. I'm 37 and I work in sales. Um, hmm. I know something we could try. Hold on, hold on. Ah, here it is. The kind of creepy voice manipulator. Why is it kind of creepy? Because it can make me sound like this. Hi, I'm Molly, and I like to bench press refrigerators. Do me next. This is Issa, and I wrestle bears for a living. But the bears and I are friends. We can also go hi. Check it out. I'm Molly, I'm an elf, and here's my elf song. Do, 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 do. I am an elf, and I like to dance. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Tiny Issa reporting for duty. I ride a mouse to school and I sleep in a shoebox. See? Fun, but kind of creepy. Let's keep it with us just in case we need it later in the show. Speaking of which... Start the theme song. And keep on listening. This is Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and my co-host today is 11-year-old Issa from Nyack, New York. Hi, Issa. Hi, Molly. Today, we're talking about talking, specifically our voices. Issa, you got us thinking about this when you sent us a choir of questions. Do you remember all of the questions about voices you had? Yeah. Can you tell us a couple of them? Um, I wondered how people's voices sounded different and how... Animals sound different, too, from people. So many questions, really. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. We like when people have a lot of questions. Well, you are not the only one interested in voices. We've heard from a lot of listeners. I'm Jackson from Reno, Nevada, and my question is, how does your voice box make you speak? My name is Ben. I'm from Ohio, and I want to know why... Boys and girls' voices are different. My name is Ansley from Stuttgart, Germany, and my question is, why do our voices change as we get older? My name is Morley. And my name is Ansley. And we are from Saskatoon, Canada. Our question is, when we talk, how does the sound of our voice get made? Hi, my name is Libby from Netherland, Colorado. Why are people's voices different? Bye! Wow, that's a volcano of voice questions. Indeed. Let's start with the basics. Here to help do that is Amy Shaw. She's a speech and voice expert and professor at Stockton University. The voice actually starts in our lungs, believe it or not. 
So the airflow that's uh, sent out from the lungs is then going to this, this area called the larynx. It's also called the voice box. And in that larynx uh, are tiny, tiny little flaps called vocal folds. And they come close and move apart. They're like curtains. They come together and go apart. They're like gatekeepers, so air coming from the lungs is kind of going through this gate, and these vocal folds vibrate, close and open fast, really fast, like um, 500 times in, in a second. That then produces our voice. So the air from our lungs reaches our vocal cords. The cords can stop the air or let it pass. When it passes, the air vibrates these little pink gates in the back of our throat, and that makes a sound. But Amy says it's still not a voice. Yeah, it sounds like a buzz at that point, like doesn't really have the, the thing that we recognize as voice. It could just be like a buzzing from a machine. So try it. Try it, Isa, with me. Open your mouth wide and talk but don't use your jaw or your tongue or anything else. Just open your mouth wide and try to say something. Hello. Uh, uh, hello. It's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard to do. Let me try. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, it's kind of like when your dentist asks you a question while they're doing stuff in your mouth and you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. So Amy says those sounds from your voice box are manipulated as they move up your throat and out of your mouth. Your tongue, your jaw, even the shape of your nasal cavities change that sound to make it unique. And all those different channeling creates like this filtering. And then that gives rise to these unique uh, consonants and vowels, like different sounds like p and t and sh. And then we also get vowels like a and e. And uh, and then some nasal sounds like n, n, like those. And all that then um, also has its unique uh, pitch and loudness and quality. And then that's what we then hear as uh, the human recognizable voice. Okay, so that explains how we get our voice. But what makes some voices high and other voices deep? Excellent question. We call how high or low a voice is its pitch. And again, this starts with your vocal folds. The thinner they are, um, they're going to move faster. That's why for children, they move really fast. And then uh, the like for men, uh, they are. it is related to body size. So uh, for men, it's a little heavier. And that's why male pitches are slower. Oh, so smaller vocal cords can vibrate faster? Yeah, isn't that cool? And the faster the vocal cords vibrate, the higher the pitch. It's sort of like a guitar. Have you ever played a guitar before, Isa? Once, but I <laughs> haven't practiced it. So. <laughs> okay. So, well, you know, on the guitar, the smallest string is on the bottom, and it's thinner than the others. And when you pluck it, it's a nice high note. And at the top of the guitar is a really like thick, beefy string, and that sounds like this. It's low. So do you hear that difference? Yeah. So as you grow up, your vocal cords are going to get bigger too, and that's what's going to make your voice deeper. And other things affect pitch too, like how much mass there is in your body and therefore the mass of your vocal folds. Grown men are on average larger and heavier than grown women. 
They also have these lumps in their throat called an Adam's apple. Have you seen that before? Yeah, I've seen that before. My dad has one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that adds mass and it lowers the pitch of their voice even more. The same thing happens when you have a cold. Your head is full of snot and that adds mass and that lowers your pitch too. Wait, what do you mean by snot? Yeah, so like, you know when you have a cold and your nose is full of mucus? So that mucus actually like goes up pretty far into your nasal cavity. And so that actually adds mass to your head, and that makes your voice sound lower. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and you know, even your the way you stand, your posture can affect your voice, and and your voice changes. I'm sure you've noticed a lot over your life. Yeah, when you were little, you know, how did your voice sound compared to the way it sounds now? It sounded very, very pitchy. (laughs) Yeah, like super high. Do you want to hear what I sounded like when I was two years old? Yeah, sure. And here's me at eight years old. And I'm going to come towards nursery school because that's the day of his birthday. I'm going to help out and pass out the cupcakes and stuff. And then 18. And so the first song I'm going to play for you is a song called Jazz Lips. And that's going to be followed by Lonesome Blues. And these are both songs that Lil... Uh, wrote and arranged and um, recorded with the Hot 7. Here you go. Yep, that is a clip from my college radio show. My voice will continue to change as I get older. I'm done growing, but other things happen to your body as you age too. So what do you think might happen to your body that could change the sound of your voice? Hmm, maybe how tall I am? So when you go from being a kid to an adult, your voice box actually moves lower in your throat and it becomes much larger and that makes your voice deeper. Oh. Yeah. And then when you become an adult, your voice is still not done changing. So someone who's like in their 80s, what does their voice sound like compared to like someone in there who's like a teenager? It sounds deeper and more um, grumbly. <laughs> yeah, it is like grumbly. It's kind of like creaky yeah. or like raspy, maybe not as quite as strong. Yeah. And that's that's because as you get older, you actually lose flexibility. And this makes it harder for the vocal cords to move in the same way. So the muscles in your larynx itself, they might not actually be as strong. And then there are changes to the rest of the body. So remember how your whole body affects the way your voice sounds? So your torso, when you get older, actually becomes a little smaller And your lungs can become a little smaller, too, and they get less flexible. So just like older people may have trouble walking as well as they used to, they're a little stiffer, a little slower. The same thing happens to their voices, too. And that does that make sense to you? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's very interesting. Yeah, it is. So like your voice is made by your body. And as your body changes, your voice changes, too. So what about the way the voice works surprises you, Issa? Hmm. It, what really surprises me is, like, how big your head is and the snot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's pretty amazing. So, yeah, so, like, next time you're just, like, home, you know, trying to, like, sing or play around, you could try, like, hunching over a lot. Like, right now I'm hunching over a lot, and I hear how my voice is a little different. And now I'm standing up really straight, and my voice is a little different. So you can try yeah. moving your body in different ways and seeing how that changes the way your voice sounds. That will be fun. Yeah. Okay, so Isa, you had questions about the way animals are able to make sounds. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is that noise? I don't know. It sounds sort of sick. 
Wait, Mark? Oh, hey. What's up, Molly? Hi, Isa. Hi. Are you okay, Mark Sanchez? <laughs> uh, sure, sure, sure. I'm just trying to perfect my imitation of the male koala's mating call. Let me stop you right there. At best, that is straight up weird. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll give you that. But did you know that koalas have two sets of vocal cords? What? That's crazy. Yeah, scientists were puzzled at how this small of an animal could make such a deep sound. Here, take a listen. Researchers made a breakthrough discovery in 2017 when they found that koalas have a second, larger set of vocal cords. As far as we know, koalas are the only creatures that have a second set of vocal cords like this. Cool. I know, right? Some animals like koalas and us have a larynx and vocal cords, but there are other animals that don't have the same body makeup. Nevertheless, these animals have evolved and invented all sorts of ways to make sounds and communicate. The list of animal noisemakers is long, but <clears throat> I'm prepared to stay here all day and read them to you. What do you say? How about just giving us a few examples? Okay, okay, I got it. This wolf and I will abide. Wolves, by the way, mammals with a larynx and vocal cords just like us. Now, if we focus our ears under the sea, we can hear entirely different sounds from our mammalian cousins. That crooner is a humpback whale. Usually, this kind of song is made by a solitary male humpback. And researchers think these sounds might be a way of attracting females, kind of like our koala pal. Females make sounds too, but they're mainly signal calls, letting their family know where they are or where food might be located. How a whale makes this sound is still a mystery. Humpback whales have a larynx with vocal folds, but they also have something we don't. It's called a laryngeal sac, and it's this extra space at the end of the nasal passage that stores air. Scientists also think this sac plays a part in producing sound, but they're not quite sure how. There are also a few other parts that might help humpbacks make their sounds. Those vocal folds in the larynx, those could operate just like ours. And they also have a set of lip-like flaps, a little further up from the vocal folds. And even further up from that? There's more flappy tissue that looks like it could kind of clap together and vibrate to make sound, too. Back on land, sort of. This is our amphibian pal, the bullfrog. As with most species of frogs, only males make a sound. And by now, I'll bet you can guess why. The ladies. You know that big, puffy sack, that kind of balloon-looking thing you see under a frog's mouth? Well, frogs make sound by rapidly moving air back and forth from the lungs to that sack without exhaling. And that motion opens and closes the vocal cords, making a sound. And to amplify that sound, bullfrogs especially use something called the tympanic membrane. If you look at them, you'll see kind of a circular patch of skin behind their eyes. That's the tympanic membrane. And it kind of acts like a drum. When they make their bullfrog sound, this tympanic membrane vibrates and sends sound waves out. 
And now, the moment you've been waiting for, the musical masters of the animal kingdom, birds. That's right, our avian buddies can tweet, squawk, and sing like no other. And they owe it all to a special vocal organ that is unique to birds. It's called the syrinx. Our vocal cords are located up in the larynx, but a bird's syrinx is located lower, right where the air tube goes into the lungs. The syrinx has two sets of tissues that a bird can vibrate to make sound. And some birds, like the thrush here, they can control each set of sounds independently. That means they can make two different notes at the same time. I'm not that fluent in birds, but I'm pretty sure that thrush is saying, ha take that, you simple-voiced human. Wow, Mark, animals are making sounds in so many different ways. Yeah, especially my marsupial pal. Oh, no. <laughs> the koala. Thanks, Mark. Brain's <laughs> on. Is there something your voice is itching to say to us? Maybe a question? Or do you have a mystery sound or drawing you'd like to send? It's easy. Just go to brainzon.org slash contact. That's how we got this juicy question from Jude and Junie. Well, let's hear it. Hi, my name's Junie. And my name's Jude. Our question is, how do berries and other fruits get their colors? We'll answer that in a moment of, um, stick around. Plus, we'll shout out the latest crew to join the Brains Honor Roll. And Isa, we're asking for our listeners to help us by writing a letter to the planet Earth. We're working on an episode all about how cool our planet is, and we want to know what your short and sweet letter to Earth would say. So Isa, what would you say to planet Earth in a letter? Hmm... Thank you, Planet Earth, for taking care of us. Without you, we wouldn't have food, water supplies, or even a place to live. And thank you for, if without you, we would have been floating in space (laughs) without any helmet. (laughs) (laughs) True. Planet Earth is very important. Listeners, you can send your letter to us by heading to brainson.org slash contact. Hey, look who's here. It's Joy Dolo, host of Forever Ago. Hello. She's going to give us a sneak peek of this week's episode of Forever Ago. Yep, it's our brand new history show that dives deep into the history of a different thing every week. And this week, it's clocks. Speaking of which, do you have a favorite time of day, Molly? Hmm, that's a really good question. I would have to say mid-morning because I finally feel awake mm. and I'm not too tired from the rest of the day and I can just go just for like a couple coffee. hours. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite time? Yes. 6.30. Hands down. Get it. Oh, hands down. I got hands it. Down. I got there. I got there. <laughs> it's a good time. All right. Now it's time for a sneak peek of the episode. Communities could differ from each other by odd minutes and seconds. There was Washington, D.C. time. There was Philadelphia time. There was Boston time. That became very confusing for anybody who wanted to ride a train. This is the 12 p.m. train. Wait, my clock says it's 12.02 p.m. And my clock says it's 12.07. Mine says 11.15 a.m. Wait! 
became so much of a problem, there was this big meeting in Chicago organized by the railroad companies, the 1883 General Time Convention. We hereby propose a standard time to unite trains across the country. The general public is going to love this. They'll throw a parade in our honor. Which is not exactly what happened. Wait, you want me to do what with my watch? I can't just turn back time like that. You can find Forever Ago and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Episodes come out every Thursday. And if you like the show, leave us a review. I already did. Oh, you're the best. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, Joy. Bye. Bye. Be sure to subscribe to Forever Go and keep on listening. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. You're listening to Brains On. I'm Molly. And I'm Isa. Today, we're exploring voices. Yeah. What's up next? Well, it's time. Hang on a sec. It's time for the mystery sound. Here it is. Okay. So Isa, um, what is your guess? Maybe like a a huge flute? Do you know those sticks? Oh, like a like a didgeridoo? Yeah. Maybe it's a didgeridoo? Excellent guess. We're going to be back with the answer in just a bit. But first, there's another voice question we get a lot. It has to do with an element called helium. Hi, I'm Emma from Shreveport, Louisiana. My name is Jean. My name is Olivia. Why does helium make your voice have a really, really high pitch? When you breathe in helium from a balloon, why does it change your voice? Have you ever done this, Issa? Have you ever inhaled helium? Yes, I have. And what, <laughs> does it, what does it make your voice sound like? Really squeaky, but I suggest not to do it because I fainted. You did? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, yes, this is a good thing that we should be talking about because... When you're breathing in helium, that means you're not breathing in oxygen. And as we all know, we need oxygen to live. So inhaling helium is probably not the best idea. Yeah. When you inhale helium, is it doing something to your vocal cords? Actually, you know, it doesn't. It's just 
changing your voice by changing the medium that the sound travels through. So your voice isn't actually getting higher. It's just the quality of the sound that changes. The pitch isn't changing. It just kind of sounds more quacky. So Isa, when you think of the word wave, what do you think of? Like an ocean, like the waves? Yeah, exactly. I think that's what a lot of people think of. You know, and in that particular ocean wave. The wave is an up and down motion and the medium that that's moving through is water. And sound travels in waves too and the medium that sound travels through is air. So when I say excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I'm sending air out of my mouth and the molecules in the air vibrate actually hitting against each other, bumping down the line, creating a wave of sound that then reaches your ear. Wow. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So so whenever you're talking, you can picture these little air molecules just flying out of your mouth and hitting each other. That's really cool. So when the sound wave created by your voice is moving through helium, it's actually able to move faster than it does through normal air because helium is much, much lighter than the air we usually breathe. And this causes the higher part of your voice to become more amplified than the lower parts of your voice, making you sound kind of like a duck. Really? Yeah. So since it's not a great idea to inhale helium, maybe we can just go back to using our kind of creepy voice manipulator in the future. Well, why wait till the future? You can use it to change the speed, too. See? I'm so fast, you'll never catch me. If I talk this slow, it will take forever to... Nah, I'll stick with my normal voice for now. Not even opera singer setting? You know, Isa, in the future, we might do a lot more with our voices. Like paint a picture? Or communicate with plants? Or scream at our phones to charge them? Ha! It's charged! (laughs) Whoa, all of that would be really cool. But I was thinking more about computers that respond to voices. Oh, like when I say, hey, computer... Play me a song by Beyonce. Exactly. Or when I say, hey, smart speaker, how many people have been to the moon? Those programs rely on voice recognition technology, which is a growing field. Here to answer all our voice recognition questions is Munya El-Hilali. She's an electrical and computer engineer at Johns Hopkins University. Welcome, Munya. Hi. How does um, voice recognition work? Um, how are computers able to do that? So the, the way voice works, it's basically when we talk, it's like we're pushing air through, as we open our mouth, we're pushing air through our lungs and our mouth. And the air travels to, let's say if you're talking to another person, those little air waves go inside a person's ear and push a little Uh, drum inside our ear called an eardrum, all the way at the end of your ear canal. And so those movements of the air, as I'm talking to you right now, make your eardrum move a little bit. And so computers work in a similar way. They sort of track these little movements of air. So when we record the sound of voice, we're recording these changes in basically the air pressure that goes up and down. So as I'm saying, if I say ah, e, o, u, I'm changing how much I push the air molecules. And we're talking about very fast 
movement, not very slow things, and very small. And so the, the computers do the same thing. They track these changes, and they look at how they vary, and then they learn basically that certain changes mean certain sounds, certain uh, words, certain letters of the alphabet, and that's how they basically recognize uh, what a voice is saying. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of it like that. So, Munya, how does the computer know what is a voice and what is just like me moving dishes or something in the background? The difference between the sound that is coming out of a person's mouth, that would be our voice and our speech, versus, um, for example, if I am clapping right now, is just a different pattern of vibration. And so the computers learn that certain patterns are not coming out of a human's voice, while a human voice has very unique patterns. So how do you teach the computer to recognize these different patterns? At a high level, it's basically learning something like templates. So, you know, you give it many examples and you say, if you want to recognize, let's say, the sound E, then this is what E looks like. And you give it many examples of E because we all say E slightly differently. Even the same person, when they say E three times, they would say it slightly differently. And then over time, it learns that all these kinds of patterns, it tries to find what is common among all of the different ways we all say E. And it learns that when it sees those common patterns, then it knows that that's an E. And you do the same thing with all kinds of sounds. So if you're interested in human speech, let's say in English, then you teach it all the possible sounds that come from the English. You can also teach it patterns of words. And then you can just give it many examples in a way similar to how babies start learning to speak. You know, you talk to them and you give them the example, this is how to produce that sound and this is what that sound means. But it has to hear the examples over time and then it learns that. Thank you for answering our questions today, Munya. You're very welcome. Well... Before my voice gives out, we need to get back to that mystery sound. Here it is one more time. Any new thoughts? Mm, No. Just maybe sticking with that didgeridoo or someone just doing something. Yeah. Okay. Well, here is the answer. I'm Steve Sklar, and the sound that you just heard is throat singing, a style from Tuva, or the Republic of Tuva in Siberia. Seriously? Steve is a throat singer from Minneapolis. The people who do throat singing are able to make multiple notes at the same time. So out of one mouth comes multiple notes. Probably close to 30 years ago, I became aware of a family of vocal techniques, styles and techniques from Central Asia uh, that the Tuvans call hume, and uh, that roughly translates to throat singing. What throat singers do is they learn to manipulate structures in the larynx like the vocal folds, uh, some small folds above them in the larynx called the ventricular folds, and we narrow down the inside of the larynx very small 
and we put tension on the vocal folds. This has the approximate result kind of like taking your stereo and turning down the bass and turning up the treble. And then using various manipulations of the throat and the mouth and especially the, uh, the tongue, sometimes the cheek, jaw position and lips, you set up a series of filters like different parts of the tongue, the lips, etc., that are up and forward from the throat that allow you to do all these different changes to the sound that give you the finished styles. For any aspiring brains-on-throat singers, Steve has some advice. The first thing you have to do is listen to the music. I sometimes have people come to me saying, I want to learn how to do this. If you can get to uh, Central Asia and learn with the native singers, that's a really good way to do it. Prepare to spend some time. And if you do this, you can feel like you're part of a very ancient tradition. Learning the techniques well has allowed me to use them kind of like one would use a flute or a synthesizer or something else. So for me, it's a means of expression, but I never forget the connection to where it came from. So I want you to try that at home later. Let me know how it goes. That's really, that's going to be a lot of fun. The way your voice sounds is affected by your whole body. It starts with air you breathe going through your larynx and being shaped by your mouth, lips, and tongue. And as your body grows and changes, your voice changes too. Animals have evolved to make noise in many different ways. Helium emphasizes the high parts of your voice. And it does that because helium is easier for vibrations to move through than the air we normally breathe. But inhaling helium means you're not inhaling oxygen, so it's not a great idea. Computers are getting better and better at understanding our voices. It's a little bit creepy. (laughs) That's it for this episode of Brains On. Brains On is produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandin Totten, and Molly Bloom. We had production help from Ned Liebrich-Stryker and Jackie Kim, and engineering help from Veronica Rodriguez, Dave Schmelek, Johnny Vince Evans, and Bob Ald. Many thanks to Molly Findlay, Michael Osborne, Ben Charlton, Stan Orchard, Jill Soha, Joy Reidenberg, and Philip Clapham. There are more than 100 episodes of Brains On, and you can hear all of them by going to brainson.org. We're a nonprofit public radio podcast, and it's your donations that keep this show going. You can donate and see our cool thank you gifts at brainson.org slash donate. And you can always check out what we're up to on Instagram and Twitter. We're at brains underscore on. Now, before we go, it's time for a moment of um... How do berries and other fruits get their colors? My name is Li Tian. I'm a professor at University of California at Davis uh, in the plant sciences department. Berries get their colors because they make molecules known as pigments. Pigments can absorb light, so different pigments absorb light at different wavelengths. So the wavelengths of light that are not being absorbed by pigments are the colors that we see. 
For example, blueberries, strawberries, and blackberries they produce anthocyanin pigments. So anthocyanin pigments absorb light that are now in the blue, red, and black region. There's another group of pigments known as carotenoids. So these are the colors that we see in melons. They have、uh, orangish colors. Those are known as beta carotene. So they're also good for us. Berries have really bright colors because they want to attract animals, including humans, to eat them. So because animals and humans, we don't really consume the seeds. So then we can help these berry plants spread the seeds, so the seeds can germinate to make the next generation of berries. And that's how berries and fruits get their colors. Color me pleased as punch to read this list of names. It's the brain's honor roll. It's the way we say thank you to the amazing listeners who share their energy and ideas with us. Luke from Manhasset, New York; Shay from Water Valley, Alberta; Matthew from Brentwood, Tennessee; Theo and Chance from Philadelphia; Harry from Sydney, Australia; Dylan and Caden from Foster, Rhode Island; Jackson, Axel, and Sunny from Tequesta, Florida; Kate and William from Austin, Texas; Will from Jeffersonville, Indiana; Samson from University Heights, Ohio; Felicity, Nora, and Eden from Charlottesville, Virginia; Laura Lai from Cary, North Carolina; Morgan from Barrington, Rhode Island; Noah and Levi from Springfield, Pennsylvania; Graham and Desi from Culver City, California; Lucas from Westford, Massachusetts; Colin. And Beck and Elliot from Shawnee, Kansas; Sam from Seattle; Ezra and Lilia from Glen Allen, Virginia; Evelyn from Hesperus, Colorado; Amara and Aiden from Columbia, South Carolina; Sydney from Warrenville, Illinois; Ellie and Perry from Spokane, Washington; Tessa from Natick, Massachusetts; Benjamin from Chico, California; Abby from Fort Washington, Pennsylvania; Jensen from the Colony, Texas; Holden from Albuquerque, New Mexico; Jake, Kelsey, and Natalie from Tennessee; Landon from Wisconsin; Ben from Millis, Massachusetts; Gavin from North Wells, Pennsylvania; Olivia, Jude, and Luca from Woodbridge, Virginia. David from New York, Lucas, Ellie, and Franny from Holiday, Utah; Charlie and James from Fairport, New York; Ella and Owen from Rockville, Maryland; Xavier from Melbourne, Australia; Clive and Silas from San Francisco; Georgia and Angus from Sydney, Australia; and Scout from New York City. Well, Isa, we made it to the end. Want to try one more zap? Sure. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.